And we are live with the 24th episode of Absolute AppSec. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter, joined by my co-host Seth Law at Seth Law on Twitter. Seth, say hi. Hey, everybody. Welcome once again. And uh, we're joined tonight by Jason White. I'm going to put his, it's misfire, uh, but I'm going to put the uh, his Twitter handle on um, our YouTube link here and shortly. And uh, so a little bit of a background on Jason White. Jason's done AppSec Consulting for some time now. Some, some time now. He works for Aztec Consulting. Um, he's spoken at AppSec EU. Uh I know you were accepted. You we were just talking about it. You're accepted to last con, but you actually injured yourself. So you never, never had to actually do that. Hopefully you're able to make it out there because it's a great conference. Um, he has uh, spoken at B sides, a bunch of OWASP events. So, you know, welcome Jason. We appreciate you joining us tonight. All right. Well, thank you guys for, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Now it's one, one of the nice things about like doing this podcast is we, all, we always get to like, meet new people and uh you know expand the our our people that we get to talk to and opinions and and viewpoints from uh within the appsec ish realm so yeah very yeah, happy to have of, you on yeah yeah welcome jason uh, jason's actually local to me like we've had lunch a few times and we see each other around at, at local meetups you know around the salt lake city area so if anybody's listening in that area and wants to come find us they can um i don't know I, I ken you're talking about like expanding the reach like just today we had you know somebody that was piping up in the slack channel and i don't think either of either you or i actually knew who it was right so yeah. like it's kind, of, it's kind of fun to see that the the reach is outside of just you know the small circles that we've started with and there's other people that are interested and you know willing to you know keep the conversation moving yeah. yeah, and I was going to ask, are you guys going to, because since you're both in the Salt Lake area, are you both going to go to St. Con? Um, I don't know. I don't know about Seth. Uh, I, I've been looking at it and trying to decide because I moved here uh, right around the time I think it just happened or it was just about to happen or something, so I missed it. But it's been a crazy summer, so I've still got to look and see if I can I can do it. Yeah, I, I know the call for volunteers is open right now, Jason. Okay. Um, the call for papers or the CFP and the CFTs have closed. Um, I submitted to it. We'll see. That you know, I've spoken to the last couple of years. Say again? So that didn't stop me with B-sides. Yeah. I submitted <laughs> well, late. Well, that's just it. They always, got they, they're always asking. <laughs> Actually, now that I say that, I, I'm wrong, right? They closed it on, on July 1st, but then they reopened, reopened it. So I don't right. think they had enough that they – so they are still looking for – or talk. So if, if anyone out there is interested, St. Con's a, you know, a local conference been running for, you know, 10, 12, maybe even 15 years here in Utah. Um, pretty good representation of the, you know, secure, the wider security community. It's not so application security focused, a lot of um, kind of academic background, right? Uh, so you get a lot of the professors and people that work at universities that, that attend it. So it's, it's an interesting um, it's definitely a, a fun conference to go to and it runs all week, right? It's Monday through Friday. Oh, so wow. That's long. Yeah. Yeah. So there's trainings, yeah. there's workshops and everything. Does it overlap with cactus con? Cause I'm like semi tempted to fly out to salt lake and then go to Phoenix. If I, if, 
if we get accepted to cactus con i still haven't heard anything so we'll see yeah it does actually friday is the only overlap day right um so if you want to hit saint con you can you know most of the week and then drop down for cactus con on friday saturday um just kind of depends on you know where you get accepted or what's going on right i know i could crash on someone's couch out there <laughs> no although i think it's too cl- it's too far away from where you live right yeah it's i, I mean it's gonna it's down in like provo and i'm on the north end of salt lake city so it yeah it's a i mean i've done that drive it's it's a good hour hour and a half to get down there especially in traffic so yeah. that's that's that that'd be my couch in that case yeah yeah he's I'm closer down, i'm down direction. closer to there Oh, so you guys aren't like neighbors? You don't go and toss the football on Sundays and barbecue? Well, there, there, are, only, there are only, what, like 100 people that live in Utah, right, Jason? <laughs> yeah, it's just... <laughs> right, so. Well, I drove through some of those. I was driving through, uh, so I went to uh, just, you know, non-EPSAC tangent here, but uh, uh, drove down to Arizona recently and drove back up. We were driving through some of those towns, and one had population 247. The sign, you know, the sign on the side of the road. So there are yeah. those towns. But, um, so do they have to get a new sign like do you do that once a year to put those signs up or if somebody dies do those get put <laughs> or if someone's question. born less morbid someone's born i mean i guess there's like a town painter that that's what they're assigned to do right is whenever there's a there's a change they go out they really need the magnet they need it's probably steel anyway just do the magnets that's what i would do come, on, come I mean, on we could automate that right let's let's yeah internet of things like a nice raspberry yeah. pi up there we could just you know tell net admin admin there yeah, we go exactly <laughs> easy to manage you could probably even count cars and people you know and you know do it live right just just an expose an endpoint with you know a ticker plus or minus you know up one down one i'm yep. sure that wouldn't get tampered with no no <laughs> You know, I don't think I mentioned this. Uh, did, did I mention that you you contributed to OWASP uh, WebGoat when I, we did introductions? Uh, you may or may not, but now you um, have. You've mentioned it now. Perfect. Perfect, yeah. No, How it's funny. So many, so many frameworks are built off, or so many vulnerable apps are built off that whole, like, GOAT naming schema now. Right. I mean, it, like, when we had Rails Go, that's, and there's Node Goat, and there's PyGoat, and there's... Droid Goat, iGoat, yeah. 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 Uh, what's there's a PHP goat. Yeah. Bruce, Bruce Mayu, who is the official, uh, project lead on web goat. He refers to them as baby goats. So he's, you know, <laughs> baby goats. What, what's a baby goat? <laughs> kid. Is that a kid? Kid. Yeah. There you go. They're kids. Oh, all the kids. Yeah. Well, because web goat was kind of the original. I wasn't involved in the original, uh, version of web goat. It was, it was kind of, since what we part of what we talk about here is you know your path to AppSec that was that was on my path, kind of to credential myself in the act you know help credential myself in the AppSec space, you know, but hey that's how easy it is you just go write some vulnerable code and you're credentialed in the AppSec space. <laughs> See that's amazing, don't you think? Right, <laughs> you know, hey I just need to go purposely write something that's horrible, horrible. Yeah, you just purposely... people people praise me for it, right? People follow me on Twitter. It's I can awesome. put on my. I can put it on my resume. I write bad code, put it on my resume, and it's a win. Yeah. So it's not, it's, that's not, uh, yeah, obviously that's not what it really was. Keyword yeah. being purposeful. Purposeful, yeah. yes. Yeah. 
So, so yeah, like uh, while we're on that topic, then since we always get into people's origin story, tell us about yours. How'd you get into like, cause it's always interesting, the weird paths that people take to get into security. So uh, yeah. yeah, share yours. Well, I was born well, <laughs> so well, I, uh, all the way back, aren't we? Yeah. All the way back. Well, sometimes that's how far those things go back, right? Because I think uh, part of it is your nature, right? You know, part of it is I think a lot of the security people. It comes down to, you know, you're either you're either sort of mischievous and tampering things, or you're a little paranoid and and you know, kind of going, well, what what could you know? How could you know? How could somebody break this, or how could somebody how could somebody tamper it? Right? What could the mischievous person do? But um, I think you know. And when I was in grad school, uh, you know, I kind of I mean, my official degree is what we call instructional technology. And if you look at Seth's hat, that's where I went to school. Did you go to Utah State oh. as well, Seth? Yeah, yeah, that's where yeah. that's where I went. I got a CS yeah. degree from there. So. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I think we talked about that. But I uh, did my grad work there at Utah State many years ago, and and uh, so I'll, in this process, I'll disclose a vulnerability they had once, um, uh, and I did instructional technology, which is an ed education degree, but I was always the guy with like the distance learning projects, setting up servers and learning how to code things and playing with things. And I'd already done some programming uh, in my undergrad just for with computer-aided language instruction because um, I did linguistics in undergrad. So as a grad student, I was teaching, I uh, worked at what they called the Faculty Assistance Center for Teaching, FACT, um, cute acronym. Yes, that's I just a, think that's it's a, Dwight Schrute when you say that. I mean, I don't know if anybody else think of what Dwight Schrute. I don't know. Fact Dwight from the office. Uh, Fact. Yeah. Bears eat meats. <laughs> Sorry. Meats, bears, Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> nice. No, I've only watched some. So, so you worked at Fact. Yeah, I worked Sorry at Fact. For yes. <laughs> the bears eat. No. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, I, part of that was I would teach, uh, I taught advanced HTML and JavaScript courses like JavaScript rollovers and how to use tables for HTML layout. And after I taught one of the courses, a guy came up to me and he worked out with my boss where I could work on the, uh, give part of my time uh, to work on the university's data warehouse. I mean, data warehouses are, you know, socials, grades, financial information, all kinds, basically all the data and it's all denormalized, right? So you get multiple copies of the same piece of data. So they asked me to work on the interface and first, so they gave me a login to the project in progress and asked me, you know, you know, to start working on some layout ideas. Um, of course, the first thing I did was, you know, look at Amazon, wanted to copy their table layout because they were using one back then. Uh, but I, I was curious about the authentication. I was like, well, how are they doing this authentication thing? And if you want to take yourself back to 2000, what was the state of web authentication? Basic auth. Basic digest auth, right? Um, cookies were kind of new, right? It was kind of a new thing called cookies. And so I was like, I'm curious how they're doing this login. And uh, uh, they, they gave me access to the app. And I... Um, I uh, just looked at the HTML source and I, you know, I logged in and I looked at the HTML source and I'm looking and I'm like, Oh, input hidden 
uh, type equals hidden uh, value equals or name equals you know user ID or username and then my name right my user ID so I logged out and then like shut down my browser and then created a page uh, on a floppy the you know the the, the hard floppies the three and a half floppies that just had a username and a submit uh, basically submitted into like the inside of the app and I was logged in you know no password so that sounds about right yeah yeah so I took it down to the project leads office took the floppy down you know and just walked up to him with the floppy and said you have a problem um, I showed him what was wrong and, and to his credit like his first question you asked me was can you get admin too? <laughs> like, can you get can you get admin access? I was like, I was like, probably in a few minutes, sure. You know. <laughs> so so he he was grateful. He didn't have me expelled or you know call the FBI or anything for computer hacking. You know, he said, you know, this was this stuck with me because he's like, you know, you just you gave me something concrete for something we've all been debating about. Like, could this be a problem? Right. So you just gave me something I really needed, you know, it's concrete. So, but I, you know, back then, I mean, 2000, there weren't AppSec jobs around. There weren't, if you were in security, you were kind of, you know, you were a little gray, pretty charcoal or dark, you know, and you were, you weren't looked at, you know, like, so, you know, it always remained a curiosity, but I just kept on doing development work. And so I was always kind of, it's always kind of a, was a curiosity for me as a developer, um, you know, those things. And, and so around 2009, uh, yeah, I'd, I had started working at a research center at the University of Maryland. And I had a boss who was real interested in security. And I guess the best way to say it is, is that we, we did government for, we did research for the federal government. And so we consider ourselves a potential target. And I was responsible for all of our public web infrastructure and all the development that we did at the research center. So I was a little, became a little paranoid. He sent me to SANS web penetration testing course. And immediately I came home and like broke three of our apps. Um, Wait, yeah. so I'm are, just real quick. Are you saying, are, are you saying that you were still in the, the development side of the house and yeah. Devin? Okay. So you're still yeah. Devin infrastructure at this point, right. but your boss sends you to get some right. security training. Cause it's part of your sort kind of, of a no, Yeah. Sort of a know your enemy type training. Right. So I went to what about pen testing course so I could understand the, the things, you know, understand the, the, the potential bad things that could happen. And then I could, you know, so I could learn to defend against them. Um, and so I became interested in it there. You know, like I said, immediately I came home and like found CSERF vulnerabilities, uh, uh, SQL injection, uh, cross-site scripting, found, found all that stuff like right off the bat in a bunch of our apps. Um, on top of that, I, <laughs> uh, I spent like, even before I went to that course, I spent a week just looking at things. And one of the things I found was the same resume. So they had built their own like resume acceptance system. Uh, I can't remember what they called it, the AIS or applicant information system or something. And what I found is they were taking everybody's, uh, if you submitted like a PDF or a Word file as your resume, 
they took those and they renamed them, but they dropped them in a totally public directory. <laughs> and that's not a problem at all. Because it's because it's easier to just link to that file, right? Than like stream it out, verify you're authenticated, and then stream it out, right? So I just I just I, I took like a week and looked at a bunch of this stuff and I went to my boss and you know, this was even before I did this the web penetration testing course. Um and I was like, look, I gotta stop this other stuff and fix these things. Uh, you know, and, and so to his credit, he really supported me on all that. And then I, um, he also let me take a, a SANS pen testing course, um, the 560 course, which if you're an AppSec person, I wouldn't recommend taking that one first. <laughs> I, I take the lower <laughs> level course first. Because, um, you know, I'm like, I'm, Ed Scotus is like, well, and if you look at this packet, you do this analysis, well, well look what's obvious here. And I'm like, there's nothing obvious here looking at packets for me, man. I, I no. Oh but, yeah, as a network layer, like count, right? yeah, yeah, layer three, layer four, that's not well, like it's obvious if you're yeah. Ed Scotus, but not obvious if you're me. So so as I kind of, you know, I looked at that, I thought, you know, if I do security, it's it's the application side, obviously, I want to stay with. Um and so I jumped around some jobs after that, still doing development. Um, but I but I went to jobs that let me uh, gave me a lot of flexibility, like with professional development. Like one job gave me um, uh, two dollars and some two fifty an hour for every hour I build because we were we were contractors billing, and, and I got I got it into my own professional development fund, and I could basically go to whatever conferences or whatever I wanted. And so I went and paid, got the I went and finally got the web pen, the GX certification, the GWAPT. And, uh, you know, started going to conferences, you know, local OWASP conferences, and then went to AppSec USA, um, just started networking, meeting people, got involved, started writing WebGoat, working on WebGoat. And that was about the time when 5.4 was like really just abandoned. Um, and so there was a couple people that had come to Bruce that were interested, and we started to revive it. Um, we should finally, finally be releasing 8.0 soon. We've 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 basically finished our overhaul that we started years ago, um, and so now we should have faster cycles in our releases after this. Should operate. Oh, that's awesome! Let me put a link to that by the way, because I actually didn't know that that was a uh, uh, very cool. Like a new release was coming out. I'm gonna put put that out. Yeah, there. I'd, yeah, I'd go to put the the GitHub link if that's if that's what you have. Yep, I'm put that. Um, I put it in there right now. Cool. Um. Anyway, so I started working on that, and that's you know that's I have I've done almost nothing in the last year just because of life chaos, but um, but you know that that got me networked in further with other people, and so I kept going to different conferences. I actually went to Lascon, and um, uh, that was actually when you were at Invisium and Jack. I talked to Jack Menino there. Um, I kind of you know I talked to a number of companies, and Invisium was one of them. Um, and they didn't work out. Um, but, but when talking with Jack, I, you know, I, I said, you know, said so all these presentations are, you know, from sort of the, the assessment, you know, side of things like the AppSec assessment side of things. I'm like, you know, what do you think about a developer presenting, you know, like developer angle of presentation on this? And so I, he said he thought it'd be a good idea. And that's when I did my first B sides is the next spring. Um, I think it was 2016 at that point. 
um, I presented it as uh, a presentation called the draining the AppSec pond uh, besides Baltimore, besides charm. I'm finding uh, the link by the way. So that's if you're yeah, typing. I have it somewhere. It might, might be, uh, yeah, I can find it if you can't. Um, oh yeah. The part, part of is that, yeah, well, I actually see it as part of the modern security series by Signal Sciences. So that's well. a different one. That's that's a yeah. different presentation I did, but that's a similar angle. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just looked at uh, David Corsi's comment about being a backpack hoarder. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was going to mention something at some point because I was like, man, that is a lot yeah. of like you. You you're very prepared if those are all go bags. No, they're not. Uh, <laughs> I wish I very, could. A go bag for like a flood, a go bag for, you know. Now I've got the back, the actual backpacking bag. There it is. Yeah. That was, that was my first presentation. Go easy on me. Um, but yeah, so then I, you know, hey, wait, actually, wait, wait, wait. Not all of ours are documented. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it's funny because I actually never knew it had even been posted because um, someone asked for one and I was like, oh, it never got posted because they never notified me. And somebody from work dug it out. I was like, oh, okay, it is, it is there. But generally the idea being that, you know, you know, if you're draining a pond, you know, there's a there's an old uh, uh, proverb or whatever riddle, whatever you want to call it, right? So if you got water flowing into a pond or a swamp and they give you a bucket, what's the first thing you should, you know, you're given you you need to stop. You need to drain it. What's the first thing you should do? So the question is, there's a pond. You need to drain water the pond. Water flow, yeah. And there's water flowing into that pond, just adding to the pool. Oh, you got. I mean, you got to stop the, the flow of water. Yeah. Right. So you got to stop the flow. And that was kind of the ideas, you know. So, so do we want to spend our time, you know, bailing, or do we want to, you know, spend more effort in in stopping the flow in? Right. So, because right. we're like. It's 2018. Why are we still seeing SQL injection? Because developers look at Stack Overflow and they see an example <laughs> that works and it happens to be vulnerable and they copy and paste it and off we go. Done. So you're saying that what we should do is, as security <laughs> practitioners, blacklist, we blacklist should stack blacklist Stack Overflow from being or concentrate on taking that down before, right? We if, if you look in that other presentation, I actually cite the guy's research. Um, the it's uh, called "Secure Development Lessons from uh, Insecure Applications." Um, that's on the Modern Security series, and it's also the one I did at B sides here in Salt Lake. Um, but I, I cite the guy. This guy did research, and he actually it's live, so he's constantly polling Stack Overflow for all the PHP, uh, MySQL, uh, SQL injection vulnerable answers like ones that are labeled as answers right not just responses yeah, check yeah they got the, the one that if you click the link on google it takes you directly you know scrolls you down directly to that one and does the little fade out and says oh this is what you want <laughs> google is so helpful actually yeah. i would like to let's see if we can dig that up and post it because that's that's some pretty interesting research i i've seen it before i remember when you talked about it at b-sides and it was like i remember pulling it up being like hey this is sweet it'd be really interesting to take it from php and like expand out from there right i know yeah. he hit a lot of like the big ones that are there but like even even going as far as like how like 
Stack Overflow answers to like mobile development questions like iOS right. and Android. There's so much that's on there. And, you know, if I'm looking for something, I have to be very specific about, hey, guess what? I'm looking for Swift 4 because, right. you know, I'll get back all these old Objective-C answers that half of them, I, I, number one, they you know, they don't work anymore. But the other problem is they're storing things insecurely and property lists, you know, very much similar to what you see in the PHP space and SQL injection and everything else that goes along with it, right? Yeah, and so... And so, and what's funny is you'll always look at some of those, and it's somewhere else in the chain of responses. Someone's like, "No, don't do that. <laughs> That's insecure." But it's not marked as. The but it's answer. like embedded. It's embedded like down underneath. Yeah, the three comments, layers, right? You know, it's way past the nice fade out that says this is your answer that you're looking for. Now you can go be productive. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it's shoveled in there. Um, it's usually like one or two sentences. Yeah. You know, I mean, and that would be an interesting project in and of itself, right? Like, is like if you analyze that, you could probably like fingerprint that code and then go search GitHub, Ken, <laughs> for that insecure like snippet, right? To see if it actually pops up. Um, yeah. Hmm. Some more data mining for you, right? Like one more project. There you go. Yeah, need more projects. Let's see if I can find the link to that. It should be in my slide deck here, but I have to be able to like listen, talk, and find the slide deck at the same time. It, it might be a little challenging at this point in the day. Yeah, um, welcome, welcome, welcome to my life on this podcast. I'm, I'm constantly trying to make sure I'm listening, but also finding links and Seth's the same times as well. We both kind of juggle doing that back and forth. This is not easy. It's not. It's probably one of the harder parts. That and just remembering scheduling stuff to turn up to remember to turn up your 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 volume video yeah which by the way i didn't do this time but that but that's because or i got it right this time but the only reason i got it right is because i forgot to even bring the video up this time so <laughs> i'm regressing worse than before oh, anyway. uh, so no, cool so like yeah, but- but talk talk a little bit about WebGoat, Jason. Because, like, you know, number one, how did how did you get involved with it, right? Because we're we're always getting questions from people about, oh, like, I want to get involved in application security or security in general, and you know, I want to code something and then present it. But like, WebGoat's a pretty big name, right? Yeah. Did you just co- contact Robert? I like, what was your Bruce, like, what was yeah. your path into that? Uh, so, that's what yeah. So, um. I mean, I just kind of went and looked at the OWASP projects. I mean, what was happening at the time was, I mean, there's a number of blog posts out there that talk about, oh, I want to get, you want to get into security. And they talk about what you should do to get into security. And the general list is, um, you know, network, right? Get to know people, uh, get involved with a project that's almost always on the list, you know, um, you know, and just, you know, do things that you can do to learn and get involved in network, right? And so, that one of, well, go find a project. That's when I said, okay, well, let me go find a project. And I went out on OWASP because I was somewhat familiar with OWASP at the time. And, and you know, I'd, I'd seen some of their projects before. I had, in 2009, I had used Web Scarab. Any you guys remember that? Hey, that was that was my go-to for a long time. That was, but that was up Web until Scarab. about like 2000 and I want to say like five. It was, it was, it was, a little it was around for a long time after that. 2009, but, yeah. it was still a little old. It's already a little old. Well, and then and then around the the web scarab time, there was also that. Do you guys remember that uh, brief? It was called I want to say it was like Cat Proxy or something like that. I don't know if you guys sure. remember that, but it's like 
Paris proxy was the other one that, at the time that I used it. There were the C sharp cat proxy. Oh, yeah. There's you, Fiddler. You're seeing that, and I remember something for Windows. Yeah, Fiddler for Windows or for IE, right? You know, because it plugged into IE pretty nicely. Um, if you had to be on Windows and didn't have Java, yeah. but yeah, I don't, I don't like. I remember something with a cat, but I don't remember what it was. Ken, I, I didn't use it. Like I might have downloaded it once, but and then well, we went back to WebScare for Burp at the time, con- right? So context app tool, I think, is the yes, yeah. Here, here's the link from 2010 when it was released, brand brand new. So it was a little. It was after you said Web Scarab in 2009. You're still using it. This was this would have been 2010. Let me put that in there. But yeah, this was for a while. I experimented with this one, and then yeah, because you know what's funny is that people are always like, oh, uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm using this, I'm using that, and uh, I'm always like, shit. I've tried. I feel like I've tried most of them, and it always I always go back to burp. Always go back to it. Yeah. So I tried yep. to use that. I tried to use that law to find my link. I still haven't found it yet. We'll, we'll keep trying. Um, so yeah, the yeah, yeah WebScare from Paris were the options in my class in two thousand nine. Um, anyway, as far as WebGoat goes, yeah. So I went to AppSec USA in New York two thousand thirteen. That was kind of the first app I'd been to an apps. Uh, I want to say it was AppSec DC in two thousand ten or so. But you know, so I, that's when I was like looking around, wondering what I should get into, and and um, basically looked at the projects and said, "Look, I know JavaScript, I know Java, I can actually just start contributing to this project right now, right? I don't need to go learn a bunch of new stuff. You know, I'm a developer, I can do development, and heck, I can write vulnerable code. It's even easier, right? I don't even have to care that much." <laughs> Actually, though, I think I think, and that's part of my other presentation is I think actually there's writing vulnerable code is sometimes in some ways harder. For one, now sometimes, uh, like we have to turn off the secure defaults, right? Like HTTP only. I have to, I had the Stack Overflow Google, you know, I googled how do I turn off HTTP only in Spring, right? And yep. the guy, someone had posted on Stack Overflow, how do I do this? And he posted in this question, I know it's a bad idea, et cetera. He had a very specific purpose. Because he knew everyone was going to say, "Don't do it." <laughs> so, yeah. but, we, but we have to turn off. We have to turn on DTDs. We have to turn off, turn on entity processing, stuff like that. Um, so, uh, but the tricky part is like you want to actually let the vulnerability happen, and then detect it after the fact, right? You don't want to do magic string comparisons. Oh, you put in. Uh, a tick, you know, single quote or one equals one semicolon space dash dash space, right? You don't want to like be like, oh, that string matches exactly. Yay, you win SQL injection, right? And that's part of my presentation when I talk about, you know, the secure development lessons, right? Like an app knows when it's compromised. But let's take that one step further. If you know when you're compromised, don't wait until then. <laughs> right? Yeah. Now you can move over from there. But you can use that for testing. Right, so if you're one, of, I remember writing a my first app that actually involved an authentication at the University of Maryland. It actually involved like logging people in and managing users in a database. And I'm writing the query for it, and that query was probably injectable, you know. Yeah. But I I remember specifically writing in that query if I if when the user logs in and we query them from the database, if I get more than one user. 
I, I actually alerted. I actually had like, it emailed me, right? If I got two users on a login, it would email me because that means I have, you know, and we always talk about CIA and application security. I mean, I had an integrity problem. My data was bad, right? Something had happened. I had a collision or something was wrong with my data, right? And so I, I just remember thinking through that and being like, well, I should never get two users, right? Um, but this query theoretically could, right? I didn't do just like a top one or limit one on my query, you know, which I could have done. Um, but yeah, I just remember thinking through that and going, well, well, what would happen here? So, so anyway, yeah, so I got involved in WebGoat, um, and we do, basically we, we present different topics, you know, basically vulnerability topics. Um, we talk through what they are and then we provide the you know, the opportunity to exploit them. Um, and then we try to also spend time now more so with WebGoat to like talk about remediations, right? And mitigations you can do. On those, and I think you know. Yeah, I mean, that was. I mean, initially, right. like the, the. I remember first getting into WebGoat, and that was one of my like complaints. Right, it was like, oh look, here's this vulnerability. But it was to your to your point from earlier. It was very assessment focused, right? Hey, I want to be able to detect SQL injection. This is the behavior, and then it would be like, yeah, you got to check your input and do parameterized queries, and then they'd move on, right? It wasn't a lot of like real like developer level language, and yeah. And so we're trying to do more so, of that. So to your credit, yeah, it'll be, I'll, like I'll be interested to see what 8.0 8 looks like then along those well, lines. I mean, you can essentially pull it now. We've, we've essentially been at 8 for a long time. It's just we've never made a, a release official. Um, so it's it, it's easier for people to contribute lessons now. Um, but we also have to watch like the quality of what is contributed. So somebody actually put in a deserialization lesson recently, um, which I'm really interested in. Um, uh, but he didn't provide us with a, so I contacted him. He said he's going to get me an example payload because I suck at deserialization on the offensive side. It's not an easy thing. I mean, it's, you know, so yeah, no, it's not, I mean, if you, there, there are certainly some, some like known payloads for, um, but I mean, that's just part of like contributing to a project in general is if you're going to write the right. volume, you got to write the payload, you got to write the remediation. You have to give like a good explanation of it all. I mean, at least that's what I would require. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's, so that's, that's kind of what I, I went back to him and said, Hey, you know, we, number one, I'd like to be able to use it and play with it too, you know, for general quality lessons, we need that. And you, you guys have done a real good job of, you know, having looked over the rails goat wiki recently, you know, I was really impressed with the the wiki write ups that you do there, and I was like, "Oh, we might steal that idea." Oh, thanks. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a uh, it was helpful for doing when you give training, like because right. I know people have used it to give. I know I've give used it to give free yeah. training, like open source training. So it's helpful for for those. Well, I use it when it. I, you know, I I I use it for training. I use WebGoat and I use other stuff for training, and so yeah, I have an interest in that that part as well. Um. So yeah, so I just started contributing, and it's 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 a slow burn, you know, where everybody's doing it kind of on their own time or or when their job lets them do it. So uh, Nana Bars is uh, he's joined on the project a year or two after I did, and um, he's over he's from the Netherlands, and he's just he's just been doing fantastic work. He really replumbed it for us, like finished kind of the the last part of the 
the rewrite that needed to be done and he's been adding great stuff to it so he actually built a companion app for it now called webwolf oh yeah so like, so like when you want to do it comes with it so when you want to do c surf or like uh or like a session fixation or something like that where you have to email or it requires an external component so webwolf is there to handle the external component so like if you want to phone home a cookie like you could yeah. phone home a cookie to to webwolf so cool so so similar to kind of what burp collaborator does for us when we're doing assessments but right. all within the context of web code yeah no well, that's it, yeah that, that, that's pretty cool man so so yeah, Nana, Nana really deserves the credit for any recent developments. I've just I've been just trying to keep my head above water, still be involved somehow. So, um, but yeah, that was so back to kind of the path there. That was that was part of the path, you know. And then so I started going to more OWASP events. I went to AppSec USA in Denver, and then then I went to Alaska, and that's when I talked with Jack. And then actually, that presentation you posted the the um, the one at B-Sides Charm, that was like the week before I started at Aztec. So like I got accepted to present at B-Sides Charm and in the interim I worked out the job with Aztec. And so I've been there a little over two years now, just staring at other people's code. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how is that to go from building stuff to, to breaking stuff? It's, you know, I don't do a lot of breaking. I do a lot of review. Um, I do a lot of review and training. I really enjoy the training. Um, I, I love working with with developers um, because I, you know, having been a developer for fifteen plus years, like uh, I feel their pain. You know, I think I'm more sympathetic. I think I'm more sympathetic uh, security wise as a security consultant than I was as a developer, because you know, I just I think of I think back to my experience, and now if I come in and say, well, you need to fix all this, they've got all their normal load and everything else, and you know, they don't want to do it. Or when I was a developer that was security focused, I was like, you know, I was like, come on, you guys suck. Fix this. Yeah. <laughs> Stop introducing so, security well, vulnerabilities. Well, so so what's the difference in your mind between breaking and review? Um, I guess well, so I review. So I do a lot of static code review, right? So I'm not. I'm only breaking the app in my head, right? So I, uh, you know, we run SAS. I weed out false positives. I look manually for things that could happen and I explain those, you know, but I'm not actually getting my hands on and proving that that's happening. And sometimes it's a no brainer, right? So if I see, um, you know, certain things are command injection or certain SQL injection vulnerabilities, cross-site scripting, some of those are no brainers, right? But then sometimes I'm, I'm sitting there like for an hour or more, just trying to noodle if this could happen, right? And under what scenario it could happen. And usually if I find myself going on too long about that, then I, that's a sign to me that there's not really risk there, right? Yeah, I, I, like I have a hard time communicating that with a lot of people, right? That like the amount of time it actually takes right. to find vulnerabilities in code, it's like, yeah, you can run a SaaS tool. You can run fortify or you know something against it and it may identify some things but usually you're going to have to trace that a lot of those are going to be false positives and they're going to be fairly obvious to you pretty quickly mm -hmm. but all the interesting vulnerabilities man yeah. it, it it takes some brain power and it takes like actually mapping that out ken and i were talking about this recently right is that 
the vulnerabilities that I find that actually I, I uncover are because I follow a process. It's not because I like look at this file and jump around all over the place. It's because like I map out, hey, look, here are all my endpoints. Here is everything right. that I like. This is what it interacts with. This is how it interacts with the model and it gets written to the database, right? And like starting to identify those different pathways. It yeah. takes time. Because we were having a conversation about like at what point does I remember that it was like the other it was like yesterday or the day before we were having this conversation about talent versus process and and because we were just yeah i remember that we were we were like because i th i think one of us was like you know thinking about it I, it's yeah it's, we we're fine the things we find like it's not because we're super elite you know hackers or anything or anything like that you do it over and over and over and over and over again you and you codify that. Like that was the big part of it is we were talking about codifying and having a process and then just following that and then fine tuning and having, basically having a game plan every time you go and do an assessment. That That's, I mean, we were talking about, we both agree it's far more valuable than being like, uh, it's definitely cool to chain stuff together. And certainly we, you know, we have that skill set too. I'd like to, about, like to put that out there we're pretty good pretty good hackers but um you know it really comes down to like just following a process because you can be really smart and not follow a process and miss a bunch of shit so you know well that process. was i, I mean that, that harkens back to like our discussion with jason haddocks as well right on the like the the bug bounty stuff like he he has like a methodology that he follows and that he releases and he always says yeah usually when i start something i'm like oh and i like poke around and i can't find anything and i think that i you know we've got that whole graph about how you start a pen test and you feel like oh hey maybe there's some stuff here and then you you reach that like valley where it's oh i i just completely suck right <laughs> and then that's the point that he's like wait a second I, I have a methodology that i should be following and he starts to follow that and all of a sudden oh here's a vulnerability here's a vulnerability here's a vulnerability it's that codification it's that learning that it's not just Hey, everything's not going to come come out in the first ten minutes of me looking at code. It's just not right, you know. Or you know, doing an assessment or whatever it is. Yeah, and you can't. The biggest, the, the one of the biggest things I can tell people is that you cannot do a successful code review without thoroughly understanding what the what what the purpose, not just the purpose of the application in a general sense. But of each piece of functionality you're reviewing, like what is its purpose? What is it? What right. is its intention? And if you can't figure that out first, you're going to have a hard time doing the rest of your code review. That's one of my big frustrations, actually. And a lot of a lot of times, I won't get that information in a code review because it's kind of handed off, handed off, handed off, and I don't. We don't always have direct contact with developers, and so I get it, but it doesn't enumerate endpoints, right? So it's it's when I find myself looking down in some DTO code three layers down, right? Some data model code that's three layers down, nowhere near a controller, nowhere near an endpoint. And I'm looking at this and Fortify is telling me, oh, there's a vulnerability, you know? And then I'm like, no, why am I down here? Right, let me go back to that. You know, it's using SHA-1, bro. <laughs> yeah, everything <laughs> critical. So, or, oh, wait, it had the word password in there. Oh my gosh. No context. Uh, the best, <laughs> the, the best, I, like, I honestly just threw something at, at one of the, I won't call it the vendor, but one of the, like, one of the SaaS products. It came back and it's like, ooh, you know, this, this has like uh, keys all over in it. And it's because they're like using oh. key value stores, right? right? I'm like, oh man, like, you got like 
500 of these in like, you know, a thousand lines of code. But then you're like, but, killing me, right? but then just to mass say it's not an issue. You, you, you can't, you can't. Now you've got to look at them all. And that's, man, that's just, yeah. That, that. So, so to go back to your original question, Ken, about, you know, building versus doing that. I, I, I mean, I, that's why I like doing the training because I get hands on. Right. And I get to build out a little bit of my own stuff and I get to configure some other stuff. So like one thing that I've started doing in my training more recently is I actually run like an hour or three hour CTF with the developers at the end. Um, and so I use uh, CTFD and the vulnerable app and, you know, and they love it. Right. Now, I really want to go in the direction of have you guys seen the uh, new thing that came out the remediate the flag? So someone, someone, uh, Sharif Mansoor and some other people were involved in a discussion with OS. Some developer had created this, this thing. Let me see if I can. It's 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 in the OWASP slash the flag dot net. Um, maybe. Yeah, there's an open source platform that's out on GitHub. Yeah, and it's on GitHub now. Um, I haven't really had a chance to look at it, but but that's the direction like I want to go. Um, if you look at my tweet history, actually, it's I retweeted it in there from I think Cody Wood or somebody. Um, Yeah, that's. Quick. I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty new, right? For right, sure. Right. It's pretty new. Well, they talked to me. It was almost a year ago, more, because they were trying to get the. It was me and some other people were on an email. They were trying to. They were trying to see if this developer would bring the project under the OWASP banner, right? Open source it, and bring it under the OWASP banner. Um, and then I didn't hear anything about it for a long time. And then I saw this tweet. I, like I said, I think it's from Cody Wood. Went to the oh yeah, because he he presented about it. Here, I'll throw the GitHub up there. He presented about yeah. it at AppSec EU. So yeah, like, that's it's right. Definitely, you know, yeah, getting there. You found it. Yeah, I did. I just threw there it in is. the general chat. I just found it. SK four. Oh, that's Scatty, I guess. Uh, is his handle on on GitHub. So I mean, that's that's like where I'd like to be with developers, like doing labs. Is like all right. I, you know, my dreams training is I've got this vulnerable code and I've got unit tests and integration and functional tests that show that it's broken, right? And you need to get the build to pass because the build is going to fail if the vulnerabilities are present, right? And that's what I would like to have is like build the code so that it works, then break it with some vulnerabilities, but have the unit tests and integration tests. And now their their challenge is to actually fix it, remediate it, you know. But for now, they enjoy breaking. Developers enjoy breaking stuff, you know. And I and I think there's still value to that to have developers break stuff and understand how it happens. Well, there's quite a few others of those that are you know similar to that. I mean, Ken and I worked on a platform at one point, something similar, right? Um, and and it goes back to your point of, you know, you really want to well. Like, um, you really want to learn about a vulnerability, like go code and code it insecurely, right? Uh, you know, try and get Django or, you know, Flask or what what have you to pop an XSS vulnerability and the, the, the protections that you have to turn off and actually what it's doing under the hood to protect against that, right? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, actually go and code that, right? If you want to teach a developer, have them actually write some code and change some code and fix the project. Um, 
but then you know like you start talking about the CICD portion of that and yeah. write a test to detect whether or not whether or not something is vulnerable to cross-site scripting because you're almost at that point writing your own um, scanner right your right. own application scanner it's very custom I mean, this is this goes back to like I gave a sputter like a, a talk about security. Yeah, I remember testing. your sputter thing. Yeah, yeah, and it's very, very similar to that, right? Is you know that's that's the whole idea is you want to do that, and it's it's a it's a it's a hard problem to solve. It's not well, it's not trivial. Trivial. No. So, but I, but I think I mean, but I mean, from a developer training you know level, that's what I would like to see, so they could see it, they could fix it. But I think certain areas there's scan things that scanners are never going to get, and one of my favorite areas of that is is like access control, and I think that's the place yeah. you can write your own integration and unit functional tests to test that. In fact, you know, I I, I did that kind of like the last so the, to come to my last year of getting into the appsec industry. You know, I, I was frustrated because you know I had spent all this money on conferences, and you know I was working on WebGo, and you know. People were either offering me like entry level money, or, or it wasn't working out for whatever reason. It wasn't always, you know, it just it, it's it's a tough thing to change lanes, right? In in your job, it's it's not easy. Um, and I think part of sometimes people gloss over that, right? <laughs> I have a friend yeah. who stopped doing one thing and now he's a dentist. He had to go to four years of school, you know. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, especially if you have yeah. wife and kid, or you know, a husband yeah. or wife, and you have kids, you know, responsibilities. Yeah. So, so, so I just decided in that last year, I said, you know, hey, I'm just going to do security in my job. You know, I'm writing code. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do security in my job. And figure out how to do it here, because then I can take that out with me whenever, if this ever works out, right? Maybe I just decide to stay here, um, and so. You know, like one of the came onto this project, and the, you know, it's this developer. He's like seventeen years Java experience. Like his code was perfectly formatted. Like one space between methods, method ending, method starting. Like indents perfect. You know, almost looked like Python, right? So it was really nicely formatted. And I'm like, I'm worried I'm gonna like mess it up. But then I'm like, oh, I'm looking through this. Oh, look, there's an eye door. Yeah, I can. I can, yeah, so there was like shareable objects and he, you know, our development system, he shared one to me. So I had one, you know, when I got started on the project and, and I was like, oh yeah, when I do a put, I'll just change the owner ID to my ID. Oh, yep, that's mine now. Thanks. And I'll unshare it from him. <laughs> oh, okay. Yep. Totally. Yeah. You're out. You're closed out. And so like, I brought that up. Everyone acknowledged it. They said, yeah, we, and the answer was like, I felt bad. I, I went to apologize later because I could have stand up. I brought it up and I was like, I, I didn't mean to throw you under the bus. And and he's like, no, you're right. It's something we should do. And his answer was, I just didn't think anyone would do that. I didn't yeah. think any of our <laughs> users would do that. Yeah, <laughs> you know. it happens. So, you know, and uh, so I went and wrote like an access, you know, we read we we had to kind of retrofit in access control now. Um, which is always harder at this point. Um, and so we fit, you know, we, we rigged it in, but then once that was done, I went, and we had functional testing running, uh, in a groovy stack, uh, Jeb and Spock. And so I went and built a bunch of rest calls, you know, mocked, I had to mock users, you know, and then I had to, you know, it wasn't easy, but once I had it in there, it was in there. And now we have that testing for good. Right. 
So it would, you know, <laughs> test if I owned an object, I could view it, I could modify it. And if you owned an object, but hadn't shared it to me, well, I couldn't view it, right? So it, it ran through a whole series of those scenarios and tests. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it just it requires the training, right? I, I mean, and right. that's what you're working through, right? Is like yeah. they have to know about it to be able to write those tests. They, like, to, like any any problem with your application or any like functional test with the application is typically broken down to something fairly easy to identify and write if you know that it exists. Yeah, um, Seth, didn't you give a whole course on writing security centric unit tests or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, I have. I have in the past, right? Like, you know, we, we, we stepped through a sputter and we, we kind of went through each of the different vulnerabilities and how you would mock that out, um, right? Like, I mean, sputter is kind of a generic framework for that, but there's, like, it's very easy to, like, use unit tests for any of the different languages to do that. You don't necessarily have to use, you know, something that's generic, right? If you've already got your test framework that's set up, especially with the objects, I mean, the hardest thing about that is, Hey, you've got to mock everything up, and what? But once it's once it's there and it's in place, it's just mm -hmm. a matter of writing a couple extra unit tests to actually check for you know input handling and for authentication and authorization checks. They're not that difficult. And, and that's the hardest part of all that, like you said, is mocking it up, getting the plumbing set so that you can run those tests. So once you have that, well, you're just going to add. You're going to copy paste and write different scenarios, right? So that's yep. really where the hard work is. So if you've got a functional testing or, or an integration testing environment, that most of that hard work's done, right? You know, it's getting that set up that's hard. Um, to your point about- I mean, it like, just goes back to my- Go ahead. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I mean, it just goes back to my, like, like I say it in all of my tests when I start, you know, I get up there is that most of, most of the security, like application security professionals or testers are just glorified QA testers. Yeah. You're doing an integration test. That's all it is. Uh, you know, it's just a very specialized skill set and a specialized subset of payloads that they're sending. But the, you know, most of the QA testers would write uh, you know circles around them as far as like actual test plans and how that's actually done. Right. So in the ideal sort of software development lifecycle, I'd have the AppSec guy sit down with the QA automator and. Yep. You know, okay, well, this is this is how to write a payload. The other guy knows how to do, you know, actually get the, the testing run. So, I mean, like, to your point earlier about writing your own scanner, you know, I mean, so there's certain things I would do in, like, in my own testing. But, you know, things, you know, like, like I said, we already have things that are pretty good at finding certain vulnerabilities, right? You know, so some of the SaaS products are pretty good at SQL injection or cross-site scripting and other things. But I would still, there's no reason, that if I have a central centralized method that does, you know, encoding or output, you know, I mean, now it's mainly framework driven. Um, yeah. But let's say I wrote my own cross-site scripting encoding for whatever reason. I wrote my own crypto. Yay. <laughs> so That's always a good idea. What do, what do I say? Yeah, that's always a good idea. Yeah. If any of you guys, if anyone listening uh, doesn't understand, didn't, didn't catch that, that was... Um, there was sarcasm tags around all of that, but anyway, <laughs> um, the uh, but yeah, I mean, but but that's where you know if you're writing something security centric that is in your code, write your own unit test for it, right? Because the scanner's not going to know 
your policy, your method, you know, for that. So if you are writing your own security code, you do need to write your own unit test for it. That's kind of where I'd, I'd put it, you know, for the standard stock things that SAS is good at. Yeah, let SAS do it. Put it in your CI and let yeah. it do it. So. I mean, even as much as you can automate some of the DAS stuff as well, the dynamic yeah. scanning. Right. I mean, it makes sense. There, there's a lot of time constraints to go with that, especially in a CI/CD pipeline. Pipeline, right? Integration tests take forever as it is, and if you add, you know, thirty to forty percent because you're running a, you're running like one of those external SaaS tools. Guess what? That may or may not work with a, you know, somebody that's deploying on a, you know, hourly or every other hour basis, right? So yeah. it's yeah. Like that's where, that's where you want to write your own, right? That's what I'm saying about test plans and actually how that's executed, right? If you can if you can scope that down to, hey, this is input handling. I don't need to know about a full cross-site scripting vulnerability. I just need to know about these four or five characters. You can cut right. a lot of that out. Really, I need to know that my RecX works the way I intend it to. Yep. Most yep. of that is just yeah. quality software. You know, that's a thing I harp on sometimes. Is you know, secure cost, secure software in most cases is just quality software. Right, I I expect all numbers. I get all numbers. I make sure that I get all numbers. You know, things like that. Yeah. Simple things like that. So, cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, man, I like that. I, I don't know. I, Ken and I always say like the hour goes by really quick. Yeah, I was right? just looking at like five thirty already. So <laughs> yeah. sorry for the late start. Um, I appreciate you guys accommodating that. Hey, no happy you joined. Man. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a good discussion. I, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear some other like de development you know, discussions going on. Right, you know, sometimes we get further away from the the code itself, right? Um, and it's it, you know, it's no knock on the people that are coming on. It's just like depends on the background that people have, right? Um, but but along those lines, right? Like you know, any any like final thoughts or recommendations that you have about a developer getting into application security? I mean, it sounds like your path. It took a little while, and I, I think I remember talking to you during that time yeah, frame. You were, I know you were frustrated with it, right? Yeah, uh, you were one of the earlier people. Uh, I don't know. We we connected on Twitter. I'm trying to remember, um, but yeah, we connected on Twitter a while back, and and uh, uh, anyway, repeat your question. I kind of got I, no. I, yeah, I was going to say like what what would you recommend to some like a developer that is looking to make that change? Like, how would you recommend that they go about that? So, I mean, I think I'd understand. I mean, it, it's kind of, it almost goes parallel with your, your comment about CI, CD and like how long tests take, right? You know, it's kind of just a joke running. It's like, like I've, I've had with some other people like, well, I just want to learn to be patient now, <laughs> right? Yep. <laughs> I just want patience now, right? And so I, I think you have to understand that, that it, it does take time. Changing lanes does take effort and time, right? And there was literally a point where I just was like, okay, I guess I'm just going to do development from here on out, you know? And so I'll just be a secure developer, and that's what it is. And there are days where I think, I think I'll go back and be, just be a secure developer. You know, I think, you know, I'd, I'd like to build stuff more. Um, and so, but, but, you know, it's, it's, so you have to understand, you have to, you have to be serious about it. This is, I think my first, my first, uh, bit, and you'll find out if you're serious about it, um, through the process. Um, but otherwise I, I can't really, I really can't go away from that list that blogs, you know, so many people have blogged about, right. Go find a project, find a project that enters, but, it, but, but find a project that intersects 
at least partially, if not mostly with your skills, right? Cause then, then it's more of what we'd call, I think the, the behavioral economists now call economists call it a nudge, right? So it's, it's, it's a small change. You're going to, you know, you're going to, you're not having this huge, you know, amount of learning you have to do to get involved. Um, but, you know, get involved. Uh, OWASP is a great organization. Um, I think I'd really like to see recently, it seems like their projects have really gotten a lot more support, um, and, and sort of activity level. Um, so that's good. Uh, I don't know if you guys have other recommendations of organizations or projects. Uh, to get involved with. Um, I know there's other good ones about out there. It's just OWASP has been my main contact so far with AppSec. Um, yeah, and you know, you guys have talked about this before on the other things, you know, if you learn something, go ahead and blog about it. You know, it may not, it may help somebody else, but it's gonna help you. And it's also gonna give you some artifact to your, to your credentialing, right? So, so go on Stack Overflow and just answer questions <laughs> yeah. insecurely. That's <laughs> go be that guy. Three, three responses down saying, "No, three don't do down. that. Do not do this." <laughs> Honestly, I think we could almost automate that, right? If you can identify those like automatically that they're there, maybe they they can just flag it somehow. I don't know. There's that's a that sounds like a fun project. The uh, I don't know. Is it, you have to you have to acronym it somehow with curmudgeon though. Um, yeah. So, so, but yeah, I mean, fast I mean, acting curmudgeon trailers. Like, we can make it fact. You can work at fact again. Yeah, make it, yeah. yeah. Now we got an acronym within an acronym. You know, so like, kind of yeah. like a new is not Unix. Uh, yeah. But um, yeah, so I mean, I mean, you know, that's the thing. I think you know my my path. I think is a little different because I was like a curmudgeonly old developer. You know, older developer not dead yet um you know and so when i would talk to places they're like yeah you're you're not our typical because usually we get developers have been like appsec places would get developers who'd been working two two to five years maybe in development and then they bring them into the appsec space right whereas i had been 15 years or so you know um and so i think mine's a little different but it but i mean you just have to you have to be willing to put in that investment um, and networking was really key for me, although despite having done all the networking, uh, funny story here, just to, to cap it off, maybe, um, the Aztec job, I went to Lascon and they had a whiteboard that was the job board. And so there was all kinds of, uh, people would just write, you know, the, their company name, maybe positions they were looking for or a URL. And of course there was a few URLs with like question mark something tick or one equals one or, or cross-site scripting payload written on them. Uh, but literally I just took out my phone, took a picture of that job board. And um, uh, I think Aztec was the one table I didn't visit at the conference. And then I, I went home and I looked at that picture and I, you know, this was kind of my low point, frustrated point. And I'm like, all right, you know, I'm just going to look at some of these and send them out. And I, I sent Aztec an email and then, you know, a few interviews later, next thing I know, I've got an offer. Um, didn't know anybody. Um, but the, but in the long term, the networking is, is really big. You know, I mean, like I said, I met you, I'm trying to, I want to say it was like 2014 or 15. We connected probably initially. Um, yeah. 
I'm trying to think if we if we met each other like face to face at like AppSec USA out in DC or something. Yeah, like, it was. I, I remember it was Twitter. Uh, if I go yeah. back to, I could probably even look it up. Probably the actual date on Twitter. Um, no, but, but that's but that's just it, right? Like it's you know yeah. it is important. Yeah, it's important, especially for the long term. Um, and then I, you know, I, you know, kind of like your first, you know, one thing I've kind of had to realize is, you know, this is, it's almost like having your first job again. When you get there, you know, you have to understand you're going to be in a, an environment that's different from what you've done before, right? And so all those things you did before aren't part of your day to day. Um, you've got to get used to it. I had to get used to working remote in this case, which, you know, has has a lot of upsides. Um, uh, has you know occasional downsides too, um, as you guys know. So, yep. Fifteen year olds cool. that knock on the door, walk in, start asking the question before you've said just a minute. Yeah, yeah, before yeah. You're like, wait, 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 I'm on a call. Yeah, yeah. I get the uh, the uh, dad. I'm stuck on Minecraft. Can you help me? <laughs> <laughs> yes yes you can you know <laughs> cool well uh, yeah jason we appreciate you coming on man it's, yeah, it's been right. it's been a good discussion um any final thoughts before we kind of wrap things up in any particular vein that's <laughs> no not no i just so I'm mean, like, where are you speaking anywhere in the near future uh, that people could, you know, where can people, you? yeah, where can people meet you? Where are you going to be out and about? Or even if you're just uh, somewhere. Honestly, honestly, this last year has just kind of been, I, we moved twice. Um, and I, by the way, if you're thinking about moving twice within a 12 month span, I mean, this would, this would be my parting advice. Don't do it. <laughs> I don't think that was ever something I was planning on doing. <laughs> right. Only, only people like me do that sort of stuff. Anyway, uh, long story there, but but yeah, that kind of took a lot of my energy. On top of a month after the first move, I crashed my bike. I hit uh, rumble strips at forty miles an hour uh, and busted my shoulder and thumb up. Um, so it kind of took out my conference energy. I did B sides, but that was it. Um, this last year. So I'm actually starting, I'm just now kind of starting to put my head up and, and look around at things. So I think I'll look at St. Con. Um, I, I'll be in, I'll be involved somehow, uh, Seth with hack West this year. So feel free to, uh, poke me about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, we will. Yeah. So that'd be my parting advice. Don't move twice in one year. Sweet. We'll, we'll put that as the tagline for the episode. episode. <laughs> That's the title. <laughs> no i mean yeah yeah but thanks for coming on jason i outside of that uh those of you that listen to us regularly know that we are that we will be um, teaching a course on uh, secure code review practices um seth and ken's um excellent or adventures right in code review yeah excellent uh, adventures in code review are, are you gonna excellent have adventures whole... in code review are you going to have the whole Bill and Ted thing going on? Like, which is Bill, which is Ted, or anything like that? Uh, sure. Know. Why not, right? <laughs> Got to figure that <laughs> we'll, out. We'll have, we'll, have a, we'll have a phone booth. That's, a, Chris, that's all you, we're saying. You'll probably be like me, and you'll probably be like me in my training where I have, like, Star Trek references. Like, I have uh, McCoy. I have a, a meme that says, you know, damn it, Jim. 
I'm I'm a developer, not a pen tester. Where I talk about using a proxy, and like like nobody gets it. I'm like yeah. everyone's too young. Like, really? I know they'll probably be like, I don't get it. You guys had some excellent adventures. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Why is Keanu Reeves up there? Maybe we maybe we should make that a requirement. Like uh, people have to watch it before they show up at the course. Otherwise, it's like okay, you go sit for two hours and watch it, and then then we can dive in. Why is John Wick um, on on the powerpoints? Yeah. <laughs> I, well, and I, we should mention. Uh, so we've got yeah, because we've got that going on at AppSec USA, and then oh, the next was it the next week we're out in Australia. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm super thrilled about it. It's gonna be. It's gonna be fun. Yeah. Good time. Next week, uh, we've got Scott yep. Piper on, by the way. For the, the, so he wrote flaws.cloud. Um, so he's going to drop a bunch of AWS knowledge on. I think AWS is basically his life at this point. So Another Utah uh, connection. Yeah. Oh, is he out in Utah? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he was at AccWest. Uh, Scott's a good guy. So Nice. It'll be cool. cool. Yeah. So join us next week, and we'll talk, with, talk AWS and, you know, push more into that, I guess, cloud development at that point. Well, thanks again, Jason, for joining us. And don't drop off now that we're, because uh, I, I always have to say that so that people don't drop off immediately. Okay. Uh, Seth, anything else? Nope, that's everything from me. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, and we'll see everyone next week with Scott. Later.